The weather is finally getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince. Now I've got a lineup of timeless pieces that keep me looking effortlessly chic year after year, like premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost like the middleman that passes the savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. I am so excited. I have two gorgeous, lightweight cashmere sweaters coming my way. One camel, one heather gray. I cannot wait to wear them in the warmer months when it's chilly in LA. Throwing them over my shoulders going to look so cute. Can't wait. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash judging Megan for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash judging Megan to get free shipping and 365 day returns quince.com slash judging Megan. And now back to the podcast. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. I think that when you say it's like divine intervention, it's I also had Julie in my ear, but I also had my daughter and I lost my dad at 13 and and my dad was sick when I was 12 and Sophie's around that age. And granted, this was a few years ago. But that also struck me. I mean, it's like we were given, you and I were given this extreme gift of of like, wait a second, like snap out of it, you know, like you're going to be okay. It's not going to be easy, you know. It's definitely not going to be easy when you're struggling with like major things like, you know, divorce or you know, narcissistic abuse, which you went through. We've all been put here for a reason and we all deserve acceptance. Judging Megan with Megan Judge. I'm a trauma survivor from a really young age and I have been diagnosed with complex PTSD in the past few years. I've been surrounded by death and abuse much of my life. I've been dragged through the mud and have been to the point of not wanting to go on anymore. Through my interviews with other survivors, I've learned that there is a way out. From recovering to surviving and thriving, we all have the strength to come out the other side. You are listening to Judging Megan. You are listening to Judging Megan with your host, Megan Judge. Um, I have the most exciting announcement ever. I have finally sold all of these dumb Girl Scout cookies that have been in my house And it is like, it's like a living hell having them in your house. And I just, it's not fun. I don't, I don't know because 
I've mentioned this now in the podcast several times. I understand it's for charity. I love what the Girl Scouts do. I think it's super important. Do I want Samoas in my house? No, I don't. Because guess what? I will start eating them. And then they just like sit. And then you actually, it's not the child's job to sell these cookies. It's my job. So then I, you know, finally, finally, yesterday, my friend Carla that I'm obsessed with, she was like, let's go walk my street. Everybody will buy the cookies. You will be done. Just let's do it. And then we'll have wine afterwards. And I know that I talk a lot about my drinking. I do occasionally drink everyone. So I'm, and I might go back into my sober living, curious lifestyle in the next month. But right now I'm keeping it light. I'm still enjoying wine and some Prosecco every once in a while. And that's where I am right now. But thank God for Carla, because we, we pushed those cookies and we sold those cookies. And I'm going to bring Dr. Lori Monaco in right now. Lori, I know you're a mom. And before I introduce you, did you ever go through the living hell of selling cookies? Oh, are you kidding me? I have two kids that were both in the Girl Scouts. They're 10 years apart. So I did my stint with the first one. Okay. And she went from the beginning. Uh Uh-huh. She went from the beginning to the end. She was from from five years old to 18. And then the second one, I decided, I'm in my 40s having this kid, and I decided to become the troop leader. This is the first year. Actually, she hasn't been in the Girl Scouts for two years. So I haven't dealt with the cookies. But I feel you because I... I mean, but I, I love that you did that for that long. Like, that's real dedication as a parent. That really is like you should have your own banner with your own troop number and you should be getting badges because that's what it is. It's really the parent's job. And this is our last year doing Girl Scouts. And really, because it's my I'm just not like that crafty kind of mom that's like, you know, singing and doing like, what's the song like? Um Keep us young. No, that's not it. It's something like the something about being gold. Oh, I just can't do it. I can't do make it. Make new friends. Make new friends. Mine, I, mine was keep us young. That was my version. Um, Dr. Lori Monaco, welcome to my Thanks podcast. For having me. Um, I'm so excited. So, Dr. Lori is. Um, she compiles and uh, the book that came out today, the ebook is out today. So by the time my audience listens to this, the actual soft cover will be available on March 13th. And I did an episode a while back, like probably months and months and months ago with my childhood friend, Rachel Kaufman, who was in this book. And then she introduced me to Lori and I love what Lori does. And not only do I love what Lori does, I love Lori. (laughs) And she's just like a kind and I didn't say that either. And and I (laughs) yeah, she didn't pay me (laughs) nothing. Um but this process of actually writing the chapter, I'm gonna start here before I go kind of go into your story, was um Lori know knows it was really kind of hard for me because even though I tell my my listeners Every week, I, I'm very transparent and honest about my mental health struggles and like what I went through with the mean girl stuff and, um, you know, loss and grief. It's still when you sit down and you write and then what happens is 
I'm I wrote I finished that chapter and now I'm writing my own book. It brings all this pain back and things that you completely forgot about. And for me, what it did was it started to make me really mad again and really angry at those women, you know, and how much they hurt me. And like, it's almost like I feel like they got away with something, you know, like they got away with treating me like crap. And, um, and, you know, we'll kind of go into this, but I will say today, and I didn't tell you this yet, Lori, one of my very best friends from like my, I dedicated the chapter in the book, my friend Carter, um, called me today in tears and she was like, I'm so proud of you. Like, you know, this girl stuff, it goes, it starts, you know, young and it goes, you know, until we're dead, basically the way that women treat other women. And it's very unfortunate because we as women have so much power and so many fantastic things about us. Like we're able to, you know, if you choose or you are able to have a child, we're able to bring another human being onto the planet. So that's badass in itself. And if you're not able to do that, you're still a freaking badass. I went through my own fertility struggles and I understand that pain, but just the ability to like be sensitive and be able to like talk about our problems and, and, and be not be like men. And I, I adore men, but whenever I have a man on this podcast, it's kind of like, there's so few of them are that are like willing to step forward and be like, I went through this and let me tell you what happened to me. Whereas I have women that apply to this show, like every single day, not every day, but often, very often. And I don't know. I'm going to bring you in on that because that was a big mouthful, but I just wanted to start there and say that thoughts. Oh, that was, that was a great start. I think that women are fascinating. I I think the, the more I get to know women and the older I get, um, you know, learning is lifelong. And I, I think what's fascinating about women um, cause based on what I do for a living now, what I've, or what my focus is, is, is really, uh, I, I work with women and narcissistic relationships, narcissistic abuse, but I do have a lot of conversations with men. Women are incredible. I think the, the, the downfall is that when we don't really believe in ourselves and we, we come from a lack place, we can be horrible and, the mm-hmm. and it's interesting because women can be so opposite like you can be the most inspiring incredible woman and then the total opposite you could be the most manipulative horrible um person and men don't really have that extreme that i've noticed you know they don't have this this they're they're kind of like in the middle and they kind of scale back and forth some are some are good some are bad some are just in between but like when a woman is really good, she's really great. She's incredible. Like she is like the, you're, you said the giver of life and there's nothing that we can't do. I mean, how many of us have been working full time ha- having, you know, we had that we were pregnant when we were working full time. Then we had the kid. We still managed to like pull that off, balance all that, come home, breastfeed, like all these things that we can do that we know that men necessarily will if men had to do all that there would be there would not be a population issue never like they would just never have children um or few of them would but but then at the same token we could be so opposite and just be so mean and relentless and take each other down um so 
but I think that I think that we just have to we have to be aware of that and then we have to own it and then we have to decide that mm-hmm. that's just not you know how I'm going to be anymore like I and I think that's the brilliant uh, the brilliance of what you bring to the table because the first the way to make change happen is number one to become aware of it and then and then be be acknowledge it accept it and then be accountable to it of your own self and so it 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 takes work but it's it'll happen and uh, but that's why it's so brilliant with with what you said and what you're going through and in sharing your story because sharing your story it allow it gives other women permission to be vulnerable and there's strength in that especially more than one woman that's one, like one, my that's like sorry about that no, it's that's okay, like my one take my one takeaway from this whole thing is you know like i i would love to close the chapter and not talk about my pain and my anger over getting screwed over the way that i did and how mean people were but you know i'm no saint and i'll tell you i was very honest i cussed that girl out at the party i'm in a good place with her like we we text i told her about the book before it came out um we're friendly um you know like if she can forgive me like why can't other people you know and nor do i want their forgiveness at this point for me doing what i did yeah. they're the ones that should come to me for forgiveness number right. one um the second thing is I have not been a saint my whole life. And it started from a young age when I was bullied from like fourth to sixth grade. I've thought a lot about this, like why women are the way that they are. And that bullying, that like little piece of life affected me so, so much the way that I was treated that I brought that into high school and college in some instances where I felt like I had to be like kind of bitchy to be accepted, you know, like, and, and even in like my old lady, like when I was in the like self-proclaimed, like in quotes, like cool lady group of like 40 somethings and late thirties, you're not cool anymore. PS you're old. Um, sorry. I just have to say that. Um, I felt like, Oh, I kind of need to like put my nose down towards other people. And so when this whole thing went down and like, I was treated like dog do, um, I decided like I was going to change, you know, like I've said many times before when I went through that thing and I was in that friend group at night, I would put my head on my pillow and go, I wasn't very nice today. I kind of feel like crap about myself. I wasn't the good person that I, you know, I'm supposed to be sending my kids to Catholic school and going to mass. And now, because I know I'm a good person, I'm not perfect. Believe me, like I Karen out just like Nobody everybody is. else in traffic. Nobody and perfect. Yeah. But I know at the end of the day, 90% of the time, I'm like, I was nice today. Like, I know I was nice. And I know I did like a pretty good job. And that's really what matters. So it was like really a teachable moment to go through this and then to be like that have the honor of being in your book was, you know, brought everything to the surface again, but it was, you know, it's a great experience. It was a great experience. So thank oh, you. You're welcome. I'm glad you were there. Your story's powerful and you, and kudos to you because for you to recognize, like for you to come with that awareness to say, wow, I wasn't really that nice today. And then, and then you compare it to what you've been through. And then you say, I didn't like how they treated me. So why would I treat other people that way? And then connecting it all, then being accountable to self, like all that is growth. 
That's the difference. Mm-hmm. The, the ind- any individual, whether male or female, they keep repeating the same behavior over and over again. There's no growth. There's nothing, there's nothing there that's, that's changed, but you chose mm-hmm. to look at it from a different perspective and then acknowledge, like you even went back further and acknowledged years ago. Like we can't go back in chi- time. We can't change, but, and, and people say, oh, don't think about the past. No, you have to think about the past. You just, you don't live in the past. That's the difference is you have to acknowledge where you came from because who you are today, it was created by your past experiences. So if you are not the person that you want to be, if you decide say, oh my gosh, I really am not a nice person. Okay, let me look back to see what caused that. In the end, it doesn't matter. It just matters now what I do with that information and then make the change. And I'm right there with you because- I wasn't always the nicest person either. And I would have bet money that I was a nice person. Like for years, I thought, oh, I'm a nice, I'm so kind. I'm such a good friend. But then in, when I hit my lowest point and then started to make changes, I had to come to that realization that, you know what? I actually really wasn't, I wasn't as nice as I thought I was. And I wasn't as mm-hmm. good of a friend as I thought I was. So that's who I am now. And if I don't want to be that person anymore, who do I want to be? And then what will it take to get from that point, point A to point B? And then that's how I lived my life from that point going forward is to always check in, like always being better than the person that I was yesterday. That's the only competition that we need. And we've heard that expression before. It's not like I made it up. It's we just want to be in competition Mm -hmm. with the person that we were the day before. We just want to do better. We just want to be better. And not everybody feels that way. There's plenty of people that think they're just fine the way they are and they don't need to change but they'll always be that way. Maybe not. I mean, I hope not, but you know, if they are, that's their path. That's I just know for myself and just like you, you're choosing not to be that person. And then you living your life and surrounding yourself by people who are the same way and as you are and you're thinking, and then you bring that to your children. And that's the goal is to just keep paying it forward so that little by little that will shift the population. At least that's how I look at it. Yeah, I love that. I mean, trauma is trauma. Sometimes I I think I've been doing this since like 2020. And most of my most of my li- or not my listeners, but most of my guests have been through a lot of trauma. And I find myself so drawn to people that have gone through stuff because they tend to be they tend to be like a little bit more oh, like sensitive and understanding of other people and you know like that life is so short like we're so we're here for such a short time and I say that a lot lately I'm like you know I'm in my late 40s I'm you know how many more good decades do I have especially being cute because I'm still kind of cute I'm joking (laughs) I'm gonna I'm gonna start I now like want to transition because that was very long-winded I need to put my glasses on to see I want to start with your story like let's talk about Let's talk about where you're from and your childhood sure. and kind of like go from there. Cause I love hearing how everybody gets here to where they are today. Well, t- to end with what you said what, try, prior to this is wounded people, wound people, bottom line. That's it. Yes. Wounded people, hurt people, wound- hurt people. Yep. And if yeah. you are not willing to face those, you know, and it's not easy. I mean, we all know this, anybody that's gone through this, if you're not willing to do the work, then you will always stay wounded and then you will always wound others because you want them to feel as lousy as you do. So um, I did not realize 
until I was, so I, I'm going to start with one story and then I'm, and then I'm going to go backwards. I'm going to go forward and then go backwards. Cause bottom line is this, I hit my rock bottom place when I was almost 46. I was 40, I'm 53 now. I was 45 in three quarters, something like that. And I, my, my life blew up in front of me. Like my, my marriage it blew up all in one day. And then within three weeks, it went from bad to worse because I found out things that were going on that I was not privy to. And with that, I sunk and sunk and sunk. And I sunk into a really bad depressive episode that lasted about six months. And in the middle of that six months, three weeks of it, I was suicidal. And what happened was, uh, you know, I found out my husband had been cheating on me. I found out that we had been together for 14 years. I found out that he had been cheating on me the entire time with lots of women. And I had no idea. Like, I, I had no idea. And then what, what was worse was this was my second marriage. My first marriage was eight years. The, the relationship lasted eight years. And he also cheated on me. But with that one, I was young. You know, nine months into the marriage, uh, to the relationship, I knew what kind of person he was. He always said he would change. I believed him. And I had said to myself, the next person I'm with, I'm not going to be with that type of person. And my second husband said to me, I'm not that guy. It's exact words. I'm not that guy when I told him what I had been through. So I believed it. You know, like I didn't even, it's a, the power of belief is amazing. And so I just said, well, he said it. So he's not that guy. Um, so when it, when my life exploded, imploded, whatever way you want to look at it, um, mm -hmm. after I got out of the suicidal episode, I started to realize I had to make big changes in my life and I had to look at the common piece here. And I started to look at all my relationships, not just my marriages. I started to look at friendships. I started to look at um, bosses, anybody that I had a relationship that showed similar qualities to my two husbands. And it was really eye-opening for me because I realized that I was attracting these people. I was the common denominator. Like all the, I was, all these people were the same exact people. They, this, the same exact person, they had the same characteristics, the same traits, but it took me another three years to figure out that all these relationships were narcissistic relationships. And when you're, when you have one right after another, you have got to understand that you don't, they don't just magically appear and knock you over. There has to be some sort of exposure at an early time in your life to where, especially as much as often as I was repeating the pattern, if it's one time, mm -hmm. you know, if you just happen to get into a bad relationship and they dupe you, that's one thing. But when you see it over yeah. and over, over decades, you have to look at it and say, okay, something happened, something had had happened in my childhood that made me believe that these were healthy relationships, that these were healthy people. And so I started to do the deep dive. And that's when I discovered that I grew up in a household with a narcissistic sibling. Um, and when I was a kid, this, this sibling is much older than I, it wasn't an issue because I looked up to the sibling, you know, this, I, I thought this, he was the greatest thing and he was funny and he was good to me because I was a great audience. I was a kid and I, and I, was enamored by him. But things shifted as I got a little older. And as I started to get older and started to have an opinion, that's when he and I started to not get along. That at the same time, I had a best friend that our, our friendship was so close that it was almost like we were dating each other. Like we, we weren't, but it was like that. Like we didn't, 
you know, I didn't have anybody else in my life. She was my best friend. I didn't date anybody throughout high school and, and, but she was very controlling. And then I never felt comfortable. I would hide things from her because I didn't want to get her upset and things like that. Well, this was the same pattern with my sibling. This was the same pattern with my first husband, the second husband, that friend. So then I started to see all these things come out and I was like, wow, this is really interesting. Um, and then I had to own the pieces that I, you know, the roles that I played, the, the having no boundaries, mm-hmm. um, you know, just giving in, being a people pleaser, not wanting confrontation, all these things that are make a person prime to these type of relationships uh, or prime um, candidate for these type of relationships. So it was, it was a real life altering. I mean, there's no question. I mean, I, when you come that close to death, and I know you know that. When you come that close to where you mm-hmm. think that the only way out of this pain and misery is to end your life, regardless of who's around and, you know, whatever children you have, but then it's to not do it and then do a complete flip o- around and say, you know what, I- I'm not going to buy into this. Anymore. I got to figure this out. I-, I had lived with depression since I say since 15, but realistically, I started at 12 because I remember because I not only did I have depression, but I uh, or I lived with it, but I, I don't like to say I had it, but I lived with it. But I also lived with an eating disorder and they all connected like it was all connected. And I finally said to myself, I don't want to live with these anymore. I don't I don't want to live with depression anymore. And then when I realized that these relationships were really a part of that depression and then discovering something called narcissistic abuse syndrome that really tipped the scales for me that that swung it and from that point going forward i was i was like wow this is eye opening this is incredible and that's why i ended up moving my business to include coaching and specifically coaching for um, narcissistic abuse syndrome depression cptsd all those things because i want women to to understand that you know, it's a trauma that they've, they've endured and abuse. So what ended up being, you know, they always say the dark night of your, what is it? The dark night of of your soul, which mine was six months. It was, it wasn't one night, but it ended up being the greatest thing that ever happened to me. It, It actually woke me up to the person that I was always meant to be. And I have never been this person. Like the, the person I am now I have never fully 100% been. There's pieces of her that have come up over the years, but I I have never fully been this person. And I love this person because this person is honest. She's straightforward. She knows she's still vulnerable, but she's not afraid to be vulnerable. And she knows that there's still growth. I still learn things every single day. I am not, none of us are perfect, but I know for sure, like I will, I still, even as mindful as I am, because I, I live a mindful life. I still put my foot in my mouth sometimes and then I, I own it, you know, like spit it out and then, okay, I got to fix this, but it's so empowering to not be afraid and, and to hide behind the vulnerabilities. It's just exactly what I did for my whole entire life. I was always afraid people would see my vulnerabilities because people led me to believe that they were weaknesses. And then finally to be able to stand up and say, um, you know what? I really don't care what you think. I would have never said that. I love, I love every, I mean, I love, we're so, we have such parallel experiences. Like, like I, 
was never in a narcissist. Well, my stepfather was a monster. I don't go, I, I'll go into that in my book that I'm writing, but I only had a chapter, but I kind of touched on it. Um, I also struggled with an eating disorder for many years and I was in full on suicide, like ideation, suicide mode for a good six months of my life. And I could not stop thinking about it and obsessing over it. And then it's interesting what you said about snapping out of it. Like, it's like, almost like you're like, what am I doing? And it doesn't mean like, I'm sure you can relate. I have still have hard times. Like some days I catch myself going to dark places and I'm like, why am I doing this? But when you get to a point where you, it's almost like you, we know that we had to go through these like really incredibly shitty freaking times, like to be where we are now to be in that dark of a place which nobody can really understand like I grew up with depression and anxiety and I was diagnosed like probably three four years ago with complex PTSD mm. um I never really understood I didn't like obsess over like ending my life so I I was like oh like I'm struggling with an eating disorder like I'm depressed like all this stuff but when I got so bad that I was like, I'm done. Like, I just can't do it anymore. And how do I get out of this? And then to be given the gift, which I really think is a gift because I talk about it in that chapter where I've always felt like my dad is far away, right? And I know we'll talk about this. You lost your dad pretty recently, but I feel like my dad just like went straight to heaven and like, he's there and who knows what he's doing. I, this is what I believe. And then, you know, my sister who passed is one of my guardian angels, but I've always felt extremely close to my very, yes. my best friend, Julie, because I talk about her. I really believe she was like a soulmate to me. I believe women and friends Absolutely, can be soulmates. She, yeah, she was brought onto this planet because I met her the next day after my dad passed to save me. And over that period, I really can tell you, I felt her so close to me often, often, often like walking. And she's like, you're not going out that way. You're not going out that way. And I don't know if like you had like a moment of like clarity or like an angel or something, but it was like something like I say it in the chapter. She was always in my ear. She was always like... Sorry, I get emotional. No, I'm getting emotional too. You just, you can't. Yeah. Yeah. But it's something, it's something where I'm just like, I freaking did it. Like you, those, the Karens, I call them the Karens. They all still freaking suck. I have to see them in carpool. They get like one girl gave me like a dirty look over the weekend. I'm like, I don't care. Like, I don't care anymore. There's nothing you can do to me anymore, which is so freeing when you take your story and your life back. But I was curious about when you say that six month period, like how did you snap back? Because I have a lot of listeners and young girls even that listen that come to me and they talk about their struggling. And I'm like, I'm no doctor. I'm no expert. I'm happy to point you in the right direction. But I can tell you what my story was and why I'm so passionate about suicide awareness and suicide prevention. So can, do you mind answering that? No, not at all. I, I, I think 
I've only heard a few stories here and there of people that have come so close and then not gone through with it. And there, I think there is that similarity, just like your story, the same thing with me. I think there's some defining moment that just allows that space to switch, like for you to switch. And for me, for you, yeah. it was your guardian angel in, um, and uh, your friend in Julie, but in, for me, it was my middle daughter, like my middle daughter who was yeah. at the time, um, she was 11. No, she was, she was 12. She was 12 or 11. And she's just like me. Like she's, she's the, the good, the bad and the ugly. She's, she's very, and she's very emotional. She's very empathic. She's, she has a lot of anxiety. She's depressed. I didn't have a lot of anxiety, but she definitely has depression tendencies or she did at that time. And, and, and she did until recently. Um, she's now 19, but, um, all I thought of, I got this really weird vision of seeing her, you know, what, what would life be like without me? You know, um, mm. I'm trying not to get emotional saying this. I said this in the second, I think it was the first, no, my first, the first book, her badass story. Um, my oldest was 21 and I, I knew it would be hard on her, but she's strong and I know she would have gotten past it. And then the baby was, uh, no, like the, the oldest was 22. The baby was, um, two. And I, she would never remember me. So like, I didn't have to worry about that, but it was the middle one. The middle one was going to feel the loss, not, not having me there. And I, I, I saw the future. Yeah. I saw what was going to happen and she would have just done the same thing. Like I knew, I knew that if I went through with it, she would have viewed it as well. If mom can do it, if I'm hurting that much, mom was hurting that much. I'm going to, she, and she just left. She didn't care. So I'm, I can do it too. And that was enough for me. Like I, it was one thing to be responsible for my own life. But when I really started to look at the, the idea of what it would be like for the future, that was too painful for me. That was more painful than the pain and that I was having. And yeah. I feel that it was divine intervention that put that image in my head because I was literally in the car ready to do this. Like I was in the car ready to do this. Oh, you were that. Yeah. And I had, yeah. I was either going to do it or I was going to turn around and not do it. Or I was going to turn around and bring myself to the, to the hospital and admit myself. Um, and it was at that moment that, that, that literally came down. And then I, I said, you know what, I'm just going to get in the car and I'm going to go home. And, but I was there for hours. Like I was sitting in the car in a parking lot for hours before I decided to go home. And that was the shift. So I, I really believe that divine intervention came down. And I think that, mm -hmm. you know, I, or I encourage like anybody who has suicidal thoughts, suicidal, even suicidal ideation is to always just, just do this quick assessment in your head of who who really, really cares about me? Like who is really going to feel the, the, the brunt of this? I feel so badly when I hear stories of people taking their lives. And, and, and sadly, like that just happened like uh, about a year ago, almost two years, actually, my friend's son did it. Um, and, and what's worse is mm -hmm. he was, he graduated with the daughter, the one that I was worried that was going to do that. And this was a kid that had no sign of any type of depression. There were extenuating circumstances, but 
I, it, and when you say like, when you relive things, it brings up the wounds that still need healing, man, it, it, it hurt me so bad when I heard what he did, because it brought that me yeah. back to that exact place thinking this could have been my daughter. Like the, this, this could have been her. And uh, the empathy was overwhelming that I felt for my friend. And the fact that um, I just, I felt so badly for her, but at the same time, I knew, I, I knew what he was going through. It's like, and it's so weird to say that I would never say this to her because it's just not something that needs to be said. But all I sat there was when I found out like how he did it and what was, what was going on. I just sat there as if I, like I was him and I was, and I was feeling that moment and knowing the pain that he was in, but he, his was just so much that he just couldn't see beyond it. And then he went through with it. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. This time of year is the worst. I feel like I can't do anything and I can't enjoy my dinner because I can't taste my food and I can't work out because I feel tired and distracted. I can't even feel like I can host this show because my voice sounds like a duck. Luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin clear with Claritin D designed for serious allergy sufferers. Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can breathe better. I feel like I've been using Claritin D for probably a few months now, and I have really noticed a difference. I can work out. I'm not feeling like my eyes are watering and my nose is all stuffed up. I can speak without feeling like a frog has jumped into my throat. Ready to live life as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. So I think it's also very common for boys and men. They just don't. They don't go, they don't talk about it and they, yeah. they go through They're with successful. it. I mean, I think this, I mean, the suicide statistic is the highest it's ever been and especially in children and teens. So that's why I talk a lot about prevention and, you know, resources. I've had numerous guests that have come on that I've lost. I mean, Kate's a dear friend of mine, lost her son, Warren. No, no, no sign, no sign, zero. Like he was depressed, but like, they didn't know they didn't really have. So I think that when you say it's like divine intervention, it's, I also had Julie in my ear, but I also had my daughter and I lost my dad at 13 and, and my dad was sick when I was 12 and Sophie's around that age. And granted, this was a few years ago, but that also struck me. I mean, it's like we were given, you and I were given this extreme gift of, of like, wait a second, like snap out of it, you know, like you're going to be okay. 
it's not going to be easy. You know, it's definitely not going to be easy when you're struggling with like major things like, you know, divorce or, you know, narcissistic abuse, which you went through and the cheating factor. I mean, there's nothing worse. I've been married for 20. God, I haven't been married for that long. I've been with my husband for March. It'll be. Oh, I should know this. <laughs> I think it's 22 years or 23. Hopefully he doesn't listen to this. I always forget. Um, He's my like, granted, like we drive each other nuts. But like, if I can tell you, I hit the jackpot in husbands. I did. And I kind of feel like I'm like, thank you, because the other things were not such jackpots and my kids too. Well, I'm, I'm very happy but, to have pulled out two crappy ones so that they wouldn't have crossed paths with you. So I made your odds a little bit better. I'd like to think so. <laughs> well, the, yeah, it still could happen for you. I mean, I have a friend, like I have friends that are like, it's, it's never over. But what I wanted to say was the lying piece. Like when you really trust yeah. someone, when you really trust someone and you and I, and you share, this is my story. This is what happened to me. And somebody looks at you and they say, I'm not like, I'm your friend. I'm not going to do that. Or I'm your husband. I'm not going to do that. That's like, it's wrong. Yeah. It's like as the worst possible thing that another human being can do to somebody is to target somebody that has shared their pain with you. And then you go on to like destroy them. I mean, because that's what you're doing. So the amount of strength that it took for you to just pick yourself up and keep going and then also be given the gift of like, I'm not going out this way. And then I'm going to like turn my life around and do the things that I'm doing today and actually look in a mirror and go, I like myself. You know, that's pretty. Sorry, Lori, but you're a badass. Well, thank you. I, <laughs> I, I had to say, I it. make every effort. Well, that's so to weird be. that you have a book. About I, that. I make every effort to be. <laughs> I, you know, the the interesting thing is too. I think the other saving grace for me was also to make a, a an actual choice in living a mindful life because I didn't want to just mm -hmm. get over this. I didn't want to just move move on and then still have it there. I wanted to like really get over this. Like I really. I did not want it to define me. And, um, you know, when you have that much, when you get out of that, just because I got out of it and I was working on myself did not mean I did not hate him. And there was a lot of anger yeah. and there was a lot of hate. And I didn't want to live my life that way. I didn't want to, I didn't want to, to live with the hate because it just prevents you from moving forward. And so that added another piece of having to work on myself and the mindfulness piece kicked in to say, you know what? I, I can get pissed off and I can hate him and I can say all these horrible things about him. But um, I had to look at it like, you know what? That's who he was. That was his path, you know? And um, I'm not saying I, I, I mean, I forgave him and I forgive myself for not being, you know, seeing it, but that's who he, he is and was and whatever changes he makes in his life, good for him, but that's his path. And it's just, he, yeah, he lied to me and he was, he was dishonest and it's made me a better coach. It's made me a better mom. It's made me a better friend. Like all this, like all, well, you can't know the good unless you know the bad. You can't know, understand the light unless you know the dark. So I looked at it and said, okay, it, I can't change the past and I can't go back and wish things were different. I mean, I'd like to sometimes, but I have to say, okay, 
it is what it is. And this is who I am now. And this is what I learned from it. And he does him and I do me. And, uh, you know, if that's the type of lifestyle that he wants, if that's the person, if he wants to lie to himself every single day and say he's one thing, but then behave a certain way, have at it. There's no judgment. And that piece came in with mindfulness is to say, I'm not judging him. He can do what he wants. That's just not for me. All, it, all it's done is it made it really clear to me the person that I want to be. It solidified it for me. So every because, t- you know, he and I have a good relationship. I mean, now we we, we co-parent. And how many years? How many years has it we been? split up seven uh, years ago? Almost. Yeah. Seven years ago. It's not almost seven years ago. And we've been divorced for so a little over four years. Okay. And we have a good relationship, but, you know, he's made changes and I'm proud of him, but I'm not the same person. And I see every so often he'll say things or try to do things to, to, to go back to that type of relation, like not that type of, I mean, like the way we used to interact with each other and I don't bite because I'm not that person anymore, you know? And, and I'm okay with that. Like I I'm fabulous with that. So I'm very clear. I see very clearly of who I am. I see very clearly of other people too. Um, and again, I'm not just, if I see something that I, that, I, that doesn't sit well with me, it's not my business to, dis- it's not my business to make a judgment on and it's not my business to have an opinion. It's just, I look at it and say, well, th- that person's not for me. Um, I I'm good with having a more distant relationship with that person. And I'm okay with that. And if they're not okay with that, that's on them. And it's just so empowering, like to have so much control and so much. The only thing I always say is, man, I wish I had this insight when I was a kid. My God only knows what I would have been doing right now if I had that insight as a child, because there would have been no stopping me. I would have never played so small. Um, So now you just have to go forward and start playing, you know, playing big now, you know. Whenever you start, start whenever. What do you tell your clients and how the biggest piece for me, like not to bring myself in again, but here I am. Um, <laughs> it's your show. You can the, do whatever the and say anger. whatever you want. <laughs> I know, but I'm like, how do, what I struggle with, and I'm very open about this, is the anger piece. I'm still, and I, and I said in the beginning, I am still freaking pissed. And I didn't realize how pissed I still was <laughs> until I started writing. Like I'd kind of like been like, oh, I'm fine. If I see these women, I'm just going to ignore them. Like they're all talking trash about each other. I know I was in their friend group. I know how they treat each other. I'm not stupid. I'm just ignoring them. They don't deserve a hello from me. I'm not giving them my any air out of my lungs. And that's it. And that's how I've dealt with it. But it doesn't it what it the piece of it that's hard is. Even if they came up to me and they were like, I am so sorry. I'm so sorry I hurt you. I am so sorry for what I did. I would be like, thank you. But I have like literally not even a percent of an interest in being friends with them after what they've done to me. But I'm angry. I'm pissed. I'm pissed over the years that I lost of my life doing dinners and going to the beach and being in a friend group with them and having my kid be best friends with one of their kids and having to explain to my kid that we're not allowed to be friends with them anymore because, you know, 
the mother was like making up lies and saying that she kept trying to call me. Like just all the stuff, like just being thrown at me, you know, and remembering, you know, I put it in a kind of a place and I am still mad and it, it and it is hard. Like if I have to drive by one of them, like my middle finger wants to automatically <laughs> go wants up. To and I did give one of the them. person. Okay. Yeah. Like literally Oops. like, like, like I did, I think I told you this and it's not in the chapter. Not only did I like, you know, cuss the poor girl out that didn't deserve it, but I also gave the one, the one girl of the, that, I, that is just always been a snot and not nice to me. I gave her the middle finger and carpool one day. Cause I was so yeah. pissed. So my question to you for selfish reasons, and maybe some of my listeners, I found over when I've been transparent because I don't really talk about the mean girl stuff on my social media. Lately, I'm like, I'm telling it. I'm telling it. I'm going to say whatever I have to say. Come after me. I don't care, Karen. Go for it. There's nothing you can do to me anymore. There's literally nothing that you can do to me. What? But what do I do for myself to get or any of my listeners that have Karens in their life to get through this freaking torture of anger and not wanting to give middle fingers to people. So, I really so want to know So first off, that. you have to know that anger, it's getting rid of anger, it's a process. It's it's not a cut and dry. It's mm-hmm. not like, oh, I took a big breath in and I let it out and and I'm I'm fixed. I don't have this anger anymore. It's a process. And then yeah. you think you're past it until something triggers you. So the que- so these are the things that all you have to do is acknowledge it. You have to that's mindfulness teaches us to acknowledge. Okay, I'm aware that I'm angry. I'm aware and and use it any word that you yeah. want. I'm aware. I'm pissed. I'm this. I'm whatever colorful word you want to say. I'm acknowledging that I am, I'm accepting that I am at this moment in time. And you can even be privy to what triggered you. And then you be accountable to it. Okay, I'm I am angry. This is I am I am in this moment in time. So I also have to be aware that maybe if my child comes next to me, I might snap at them because I'm just in this horrible space right now. And then you just yeah. have to let it pass. And the way you do it is by, I mean, breathing exercises work, but also acknowledging the growth that you have received, you know, being grateful to the person that you've become and, and then understanding that if you had not really seen it from, if you had not gone through this, that you would not be where you are right now in this, in this place. And that, you know, it's, it's all growth. And then little by little, this is going to shift and you don't want to be that person anymore. That was the beauty of it is that you don't, you said it, you're like, I saw what mm-hmm. I was in. I didn't, I, I don't, I'm freeing myself from those individuals. They, when you said you didn't mm-hmm. have the, they don't have control over me anymore and you can just walk by them and you don't even care about the air that you're breathing next to them. It's when you get to that point yeah. where we'll look at it this way. When you started writing and you said you got, it brought up stuff for you and you didn't realize how angry you still were. How quickly though, were you able to pass through that anger? And then when you did see them at school, you weren't wanting, you know, you didn't give them the finger. You didn't want to slam them with your car. You just, <laughs> I don't really want I, to I slam them with my car. I yeah, just, but- it's, it's the reve- it's like the piece of it where it's like, they got away with it. I cannot believe yeah, that like all of them are just that's like something that, that piece yeah, and that it. is frustrating. I'm yeah. going to tell you that one. You just 
that one little by little, you just have, you have to constantly say to yourself, it's, it's done. It's done. They got away with it. It's done. It's, it is what it is. Like I can't, I, I, when I look back at what my husband did, um, you know, there were, there were people in our circle that knew what he was doing all those years. We would go to places together as couples and, and I, and I had to deal with the fact how humiliating it was that all these people knew what he was doing and nobody ever once thought to say anything to me. And so I had to say, you know what? It's not serving me. Like it's, it's no point in harping on it. It's no point in, um, maybe yes, there's lost time. I mean, of course, but you know, I'm going to make the time now. I mean, I, I have to, there's no point in going back and fixing things. I have to make the time now and I'm happy with the person I am now. And there's, there's nothing that I can change and that's it, you know? And if, and if people come up to me that haven't seen me in years, and then they, they managed to say, oh, mm-hmm. hey, you know, are you still with so-and-so? Because I found out. I'd be like, yep, I know all about it. I know we're not together anymore. And just, just even if somebody came up in a vindictive way and tried to shame me or guilt me or mm-hmm. make me feel less than because of what I had gone through, mm-hmm. I'm not at a place anymore because mm-hmm. I just, I, 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 I want, I just, I'm always constantly reminding myself to let it go, constantly reminding myself to let it go. When I, when I feel that anger come up, I'll be like, "Woo, where'd that come from? Okay, let me just process it for a second. Let me see what's going on. Why is this happening? Am I tired? Am I just frustrated on other things? And that's just bringing up the past. And then I yeah. work myself through it and then say, seriously, is this going to serve me? And if I can't get to a level where I can let it go at that moment, then I'll give myself permission to, to, to turn off that night and say, okay, well, it's seven o'clock. I'm just going to call it a night. I'm just going to sit and lay, lay down and watch like a show that it makes me feel happy. And I'm going to let my family know that I just need some mm-hmm. private time and I'm feeling some sort of way and I just need to process it. And they say, and then you're going to go to sleep. And when you wake up in the morning, you're going to feel calmer. You're going to, you're going to feel the release. Um, because it will eat at you. I mean, it'll eat at you all no, day. Yeah. It'll eat at you it's, all day, every does. day. I mean, when yeah. I sit here and say, my husband lied to me yeah. every single day, every single day. And still my ex-husband lies to me because, yeah. you know, every so often we will talk about stuff and he still denies, even though I had like proof up the yin yang, he still denies doing things. And I crack up. I'm like, how do you even? Well, because it didn't it didn't happen that way. And I always think of that Shaggy song. It wasn't me. You know, oh, my girl caught me. Say, just say it wasn't you. Yeah. So that's all I think of. And then I laugh. I'm like, dude, whatever. But, but something about what you just said, too, is like, I think that it sounds to me, too, like you or I would never treat another person like the way that we were treated. Hence like why I think it's so difficult. Like I, I like in your case, you loved your husband, right? You were committed to your husband. You were married, like you had kids together. In my case, I had these friends that I loved my friends. I thought we would go out and have fun. One, the one that was the t- really toxic one I knew was talking shit about me behind my back. And, you know, like, canceling plans and doing all kinds of shit. But the rest of them, I was like, these are my friends. Like we have fun together. 
and then I'll be fine. But like uh, last week, for example, like one of their husbands saw me at something and he came up into my space and hugged me and knew I didn't want him to do that. Like, that's the kind of stuff I'm still dealing with. Like, you have no right to come into my space and hug me. Like, we're not friends. So when you say all this stuff, I'm like, yeah, like I'm 90% there. It's just the anger piece. But then it does remind me, like, you know, it's, I have to always say to myself, this was a favor. Like I wasn't, I wouldn't be like doing what I'm doing every week. I wouldn't, I didn't even know what a podcast was like a few, like before I started the podcast until somebody, my therapist who I credit for saving my life, a lot of my life, Dr. Nay was like, Meg, you are so creative. You're supposed to be acting again. Are you supposed to be doing something? And then I knew if my friend, another Megan that I adore who has a podcast. And I was like, I'm going to do a podcast. I didn't know what it was. Didn't know like what I was doing. Listen to my early episode. <laughs> um, and then it just evolved. And then, you know, writing a book, writing a chapter, becoming a speaker, having people re- and I know you can relate to this, but having people come to you and on these really hard days where I have somebody come like, F with me and give me a hug. I know why he did it. It was try to mess with me. I have some young girl like reaching out to me and telling me like, like, thank you. Like this episode was important for the following reasons. And that like really puts my anger in place well, there you go. See, and my like love for other already, humans. You're already figuring yeah. out your coping skills. And when it, and then when you look back at the, the, yeah. the guy who hugged you, you know, look at it and say, yeah. okay, you know what? I was off my game a little bit because if I was a little bit more vigilant, he would have never even gotten close enough to be able to get the mm-hmm. hug in. He would have never been able to do it. Well, I was standing next to my nine-year-old too. So I wasn't going to like, I can go, I can, um, I'm Irish and Italian, Lori, and I can, <laughs> I have a temper and I, you know, if I tell in the book, I talk about cussing that girl out giving people middle fingers and carpool. Like if my kid wasn't sitting there, I would have been like, I would have turned right on him and yeah. get, said, get out of my space. Like don't yeah, touch but, my but physical body. You still could have. You, you know, in a way you, know? you still could have, because that would have just set yeah. a precedence for your daughter to say, yeah. listen, not every touch is good and you, you're in control. So, you know, but you could go back to yeah, it and just have. say to yourself, yeah. all right, so if this ever happens again, I know what to look for. And in the end, you said, you know mm-hmm. why he did it. And you, all you have to do is flip it and say to yourself, you know what? You just reaffirm to me once again, how I do not want to be. That is not the person I want to be. And and it's yeah. so, it's, yeah. I feel sorry for you. And you know what? In the end, I'm grateful. Mm-hmm. I'm grateful that you did that. I'm grateful that you all keep proving to me more, each day, each time the person that I want to be and definitely who I don't want to be. It's that gratitude piece. Gratitude is a really powerful entity. And, and, you know, and if some, and listen, so is sarcasm. Don't get me wrong because when, you know, when that happens and your anger pulls up, you can also inside your head mm-hmm. say to yourself, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for doing that because, mm, you know, you just proven to me more what a jerk you are. And I'm just going to let this go. And the anger will go, will go away yeah. when you start doing those little tricks because you just, it just does yeah. it, but it t- it's a process. It takes time. 
Um, and, and we don't know until it happens if we're past it. Like I still see, like my mm. brother is a big trigger for me. Um, and, and I, and I have to be very vigilant when he's around and, you know, my dad had passed mm-hmm. away. We were seeing each other a lot. My, um, my mom, I was care, my part-time caregiver for my dad. And then I also assist my mom with stuff. So I would see him a lot, you know, and it's, it's not just him, but it's also his wife. I don't, I don't like either of them. And, and it's just, you know what, you guys do you, I'm okay with that, but you're not the type of people I want to hang out with. It doesn't matter if we're blood related. It's just not, you're just not my kind of people and don't have an expectation of me and don't have an opinion on me. So you do you, I'll do me and just keep your mouth shut, you know, and I'm fine with that. I have really no problem with that. I have no ill will towards him. I just, he's just not the person I want to be around. And after my dad passed away, which was recent yeah, was back for my December. listeners, yeah, that mid-December. was what, December? Um, yeah. I say this in my chapter, you yeah. know, death is, a, de- dying and death are, uh, are funny things because they bring out the best and the worst in people. And, and mm-hmm. there was, there's also a lot of, you know, you ha- you're around people that you're not normally around because you know, that you're that situation. So I'm not going to be a jerk and be like, I don't like you. Yeah. So don't be around my, you can't be around dad. That's ridiculous. So, um, yeah, there was yeah. a conversation that ended up ensuing between myself and his wife. And in the midst of it, it was quite eye opening. And I left that conversation in the middle of conversation. I actually started to get angry and I started to really uh-huh. come to terms with the person that she was or is. And I was right all along. I haven't had a lot of interaction with her, but I was right all along the kind of person that she is. And I just let her talk because no matter what I said, she wasn't hearing it. She wasn't going to, so I just let her talk. But afterwards I was a little annoyed. I was a little angry. I was angry at myself. I'm like, why didn't you go up and say more? Why didn't you stick up? And then I, I let it go. I said, you know what? Who the hell cares? Like, like I don't, it just, it just reaffirmed to me. And I was so grateful. This is the part that I was grateful about. Mm -hmm. I want nothing to do with them, like nothing to do with her, nothing to do because they are not the people that I want in my circle. They are not the energy that I want around there. They could be who they want to be, but I don't want them around me. And I'm so okay with it. And if they're not okay with it, that's their own stuff. I am not owning that. If they have an opinion on it, that's them. But it was so clear to me. And after that, that anger went right out. I was like, thank you for that. Thank you for, because any doubt in my mind, anything I, I knew and I, I learned and I was like, that was beautiful. But I have to admit it. I sat with it for like two to three hours after, like I was in such a bad mood and I was so aggravated. And then I went to bed and then that morning I woke up and I was like, wow. Okay. All right then moving forward. And, you know, it's also what you said too about like going through loss and death. It does bring out the worst in people and and the best in people as well. And family, like your blood relatives, believe me, can tell you some stories. Um, just because they're blood doesn't make it like you have to force yes. a relationship, you know? Like, and I think that especially in, in our culture and and other cultures, it's like, this is my sibling. We are supposed to be like best friends. We are supposed to spend every Christmas together. Um, 
No, you don't have to. If if any human is making you feel not the way that you know you're in your happy place or how you're supposed to spend your holidays, especially if you're you're going through grief or loss of a parent, no matter what age you are, it's still hard, you know? Like I dread my mom and I you know, we bicker because we're very different, but I love my mom and she's 79 and I know she's not here forever, even though she does Pilates five days a week and is a badass. <laughs> um, but I, I can't imagine like not having my mom, you know, and, and I don't care if I'm, you know, she's around till she's a hundred loss is loss. Family is family, but it doesn't mean you have to force a relationship that's not there. And I think people need to understand the, the, that it's an opportunity that you're giving yourself and a gift to be able to walk away, whether it be friendships, whether it be, uh, like not healthy and toxic, uh, familial relationships or whether it be any kind like a job relation, any kind of relationship, you need to like, listen to your gut. Right. Absolutely. And get yeah. away. I think, the, the biggest yeah. piece that I have taken over the last, especially couple of years um, in the most recent part of my transformation has been living my life with discernment is uh, it's that, that beautiful sweet yeah. spot between judgment and non-judgment. It's not easy to be non-judgmental. And when you're talking mindfulness, what they're really talking about is being non-judgmental to how you're feeling. The, what that moment in time is to don't judge what you're feeling. Don't judge how you're behaving. Don't judge, like just acknowledge it and then move through it. But I always understood it to be in the beginning that I have to be a non-judgmental type of person. So accept people for who they are, because that's acceptance is also part of mindfulness. But when you're, when you're dealing with very toxic people, when you're dealing, especially with nar people with personality disorders, like narcissistic personality disorder or borderline personality disorder, it is a, it's a mental disorder. Yes, I get it or at least if they have the traits, maybe they don't have the disorder, mm -hmm. but you still have to save yourself. You still have to be at peace. Your soul has to be at peace. So discernment allows you to take that step back and observe in a mindful manner and still formulate an opinion and, and judgment, but based on what's best for you, but allow them the space to still be who they are. See, when you come from a place of judgment, you're basically saying, this is what I think. And you shouldn't be that way. Like this, that's my opinion. You shouldn't be that way. Mm -hmm. Whereas you come from a place of discernment. It's like saying, okay, I see what, what's going on here. And it is a judgment. It's a, it's a subjective observation on my end. However, I'm not going to tell you who to be. You, you, you continue to be your yourself but I'm going to be who I am. And that also means that you are not okay. It's not okay for you to tell me who I need to be. And when I understood that piece, yeah. that was really life-changing for me because this is going to sound so cold, but just let me, let me just, just, let me just say this. You were talking about if your mom passes and um, I, I realized that I don't have feelings towards my brother. I don't, hate him, but I don't, mm -hmm. you know, I don't really love him. I don't, I, 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 um, I'm honored by the fact that, you know, he was in my life. I am, I am grateful for the contributions that he's made. 
Um, I, I would not be in the in the fields that I'm in had it not been for his influence because he was into holistic wellness. So that's that's what got me excited about it. And I'm I'm so grateful to that. But the person that he is is nothing for me. Like it's just I I see the destruction that he's done. I've seen the things that the people that he's affected, and I don't agree with it. So if my mm-hmm. my brother were to pass mm-hmm. away, I won't feel the need. I won't feel guilty. I won't feel like I have to show up because it's my, my brother. I've made my choice. My choice is to disconnect and I'm okay with my choice. And that's the difference. I'm, I'm, I'm okay with my choice. I'm not, I'm not angry at him. I don't hate him. I just have, I I don't have any attachment to him and I, I let him be who he is but if I forced the attachment, then I would have a problem with who he is. Then I would be vocal about who he is. Then I would be saying stuff to him. Who am I to say? He needs to do his thing. But to me, I, I look for that equal respect. I don't have any expectation. If I pass away first, I have no expectation that this individual should ever show up at my funeral because we have no relationship. And I would be okay that would not bother me whatsoever. Of course I'm dead. But what I mean is it wouldn't bother me if, if I found out if he had said that to me prior to, if I was dying, I'm not showing up. Okay. I, I wouldn't, I wasn't upset either way. So don't worry about it. And that, I think it's, I think it's so healthy like that. I mean, I'm sure there's many people that can relate to that. That definitely. That definitely will help with the anger piece is when you, when you finally just let go and say, you know what, I, I don't have the attachment to you. Like I, I am mindfulness teaches us Mm non-attachment. It means that I see you, I recognize who you are. I see the things that you do. You do you, I, you have an, I don't have an opinion on you. I mean, I could have an opinion, but I'm not pushing my opinion on you. So there you are. That's it. We're good. We're sharing the same space, but I am not yeah. attached to you and your emotions and your BS and your drama. But I don't want you in mine yeah. as well. And then you just. Yeah. And I think I think that's important. I unfortunately have to see them, but I do have to. I think the writing is really where I was like, wait a second. I thought I was getting better with some of these things and then I wasn't. But all I know is that my platform is to help other people. And if I can help like other women that are going through like mean girl grown up stuff, like Regina George graduated high school, but she's still Regina George, <laughs> you know, from mean girls, like girls can be cruel. Even my mom who's 79 and works at Chico's still one day a week. Shout out Pat. She tells me drama yes. that she goes through with women in the store. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like it just the it need like things need to change. People need to be kinder. We're all human. We make mistakes. It is what it is. Lori, for the sake of time, because I could talk to you all day. I want to know, like, tell me a li- like, tell me about the book. I can tell my listeners, but I'd rather you tell them sure. ways to get it. Uh, it's available on Amazon. The ebook is available, and at the time of broadcast, the print book will be available as well. So you could just go to Amazon and look up her badass story three and you it's it's an international so you can find it on any platform um and if you can't find it on that platform then you could always reach out to megan and we can figure out what platform is i'll have some on my website too 
So yeah, you could definitely find it on Amazon. Order. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then where can people follow you? Like, what's the best way for people to get in touch um, with you? You can find me on social media. On Facebook, I'm uh, Dr. Lori Monaco. On Instagram, I am the badass Buddha one. And uh, you could always reach me on my on my website, which also has connections to email and social media, which is drlorimonaco.com. Everyone, be happy by making other people happy. Thanks, Lori. Judging Megan with Megan Judge. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.